Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome back, everybody. Two guys at a mic, Big Dog and the Coach, back at you live. We had a little uh, tape recording on Thursday or Friday. Our last show was Wednesday, so we got a lot to recap. We will do that and more here on a Monday version of the Two Guys at a Mic show here on the TalkZone.com. First and foremost, hope everybody had an outstanding Thanksgiving vacation slash weekend slash family gathering reunions, etc., etc., Hope everybody's back safe and sound. We much appreciate your checking in. We got sports and more to cover in the next 58 minutes and 12.5 seconds. But who's counting? A little music, and we'll welcome in my semi esteemed partner. As if semi-esteem is not bad enough, a man who needs no introduction. So that's what we're going to give him. Absolutely no introduction. It's my good buddy, Joel Redwanski, checking in. Big dog, I haven't talked to you for about four days. How are you, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing much better now. Obviously, Coach. No, no, I was, if you would have saw me yesterday at about 6.30, I was totally esteemed. I wasn't too happy. Really? Fully esteemed? I was fully esteemed. Not semi-esteemed. All right. No, now, I, I'm almost afraid that was it football or someone else related that you were fully esteemed? Oh, it, it was the Chicago Bears was the reason why I was totally esteemed around 6.15 last night. Ah. Okay. So you're I talking S-T-E-A-M-E-D, that kind of esteemed, not S-T-E-E-M-E-D, that kind of esteemed. I've never been that esteemed, no, Coach. Well, there's a couple times you were extremely esteemed. And I happened to be in your presence at the time. Oh, that I, I would like yeah. to remember these if, if it actually occurred. So you had it absolutely actually occurred. You just don't remember the good things. But uh, esteemed or not so esteemed, that is the question. I was, what are you? Are you implying? Because I, as far as bare defeats, if this is what you're implying, uh, quite frankly, I thought it was one of the more acceptable Chicago bare defeats. Was your anger your S T E A M E D based on uh, the Chicago Bear game? Yeah, they, they really let one slip away yesterday. My goodness, did that team let a football game slip between their fingers. And uh has a lot to do with the play calling, the play of the quarterback. Oh, my goodness, Coach. It was just one of those games you, you look back. How many how many interceptions did Tim Jennings drop in the first half? You, you look back and you're – I know everyone's going to be like, well, it's okay, Caleb Haney started, but – you know, I look at it, the Chicago Bears, they need to finish more plays than men. They they definitely did not play a good football game yesterday. I'm not for the old college try when it comes to the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lose the ball game 25-20. to 20, or There's no question about it. Many of opportunities to win the game. Caleb Haney in his first performance. A uh, couple of nice passes, but the, all three of the interceptions were absolutely oh. brutal. But, you know, I'm hearing everybody, you know, criticizing Haney and, you know, blah, 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 all the negativism. And as I'm driving in, Big Dog, I also remembered back uh, – two-plus years ago, when Jay Cutler had his first game as a Chicago Bear. Now, keep in mind, Jay Cutler had already had, what, 20, 25 starts as a semi-esteemed uh, member of the Denver Broncos. So he was not exactly a role. And his first game as a Chicago Bear, he stuck up the place and threw interceptions just like Caleb Haney. So take it easy on Caleb. You're, you're All of a sudden, you're godsend Jay Cutler. 
who, quite frankly, for me, has been good the last four games before that, much less than acceptable as a bear quarterback. But Jay Cutler stunk up the place in his first game, too. So take it easy on my guy, Caleb Haney. When did, how, how did I go off on Caleb Haney? I want the guy to start next week, and I okay. really think he'll play a lot that better was, against the Chiefs. That wasn't on you. That was more a vent to all the uh, Bobby from Bowling Brooks and Larry from Libertyville's and other sports talk hosts there who forgot to remember Jay Cutler's first two years and are simply remembering his last four games. No, no he, he's, he, that was his first game ever starting as a quarterback. The, the, you got to let the kid have a, like a mistake or two, obviously. Sam Weish was calling a game the other day. And he said something Sam that I thought was Weish. absolutely phenomenal. Remember, he was the head, yeah. head coach. Of the- I just I haven't had a Sam Weish reference in a while. Thank you for that. I, I enjoy him. Uh, how often do the Bengals go to the Super Bowl? I mean, he's got to be a pretty good coach. And he said that one of his players in the film was like, well, I'm sorry, Coach, that was the only mistake I made in the game. He's like, oh, okay, I guess that's, that's all right. Everybody in here gets one mistake of football games, so that's all right. We'll have 53 mistakes in our next game. <laughs> and everybody was like, wow, that's a really good point. Caleb Haney got a mistake because he that was his first start ever as a quarterback. I, you know, I can understand he's going to make it. Everybody else, the mistakes they were making, I was like, really? Come on, guys. We have a, a guy starting his first NFL game, and Johnny Knox is out there and, and roller skates falling down all over the field. I know he made the one unbelievable catch. But my goodness, how many more times is he going to fall down on the football field? It, it, that's got to that, that cost the Bears on two third down plays where he threw Haney threw perfect passes and knocks fell down. Really, coach? Come I, on. I, I do not remember those, quite frankly. Four or five days off together, big dog, and apparently the two of us have uh, gone our separate ways. I, I would tend to disagree with you. I think there's a lot of guys you could take off in the Bears game yesterday. Johnny Knox was probably your number one star. I thought he played an outstanding game as a receiver. That's, that's, that's what I hear everybody saying, and I'm like, did they watch the game? Yeah, I watched it. The, the guy, it's third and eight. Johnny Knox runs an in and decides to, hey, I would have cut on my heels and you know, and not have my feet underneath me. He falls down, the ball hits him right in the hands, but he's falling down so he doesn't catch it. Next you know, the Bears have to punt. I mean, it. I must have been going for some... Another, another play where he cut in and he fell down. I, he fell down twice on cut yesterday, and the ball sails right over his head. It was almost intercepted, and they were like, horrible throw by Haney. And like, the ball was still... A guy was wide open who fell down again. Knox fell down twice yesterday, and both times the Bears had a punt after that and gave a point. So their defense played phenomenal yesterday, Coach. I, I, would... I was just very disappointed in how the offense played. Very disappointed. Johnny Knox couldn't run a route to save his life. He can't. And that that that's the main problem with the guy. He's got he's got a great he's got pretty decent hands. He's really really fast, but he can't run a route, and that's why he's terrible in this offense. And he's and he's phenomenal with the ball in his hand. I mean, when he has the ball, he's an as effective and as explosive player as we have outside of Devin Hester. But it, the, the problem is they just can't count on him. And, and last week we all found out, oh, well, it's because he cut with his inside foot and not his outside foot. He falls down, and now Jay Cutler was hurt for the rest of the season. Same stuff, the reason why he was falling down yesterday. And then all we remember, though, is the fact that he made probably one of the most spectacular catches that a Chicago Bear has made in years when he pushed off with his left hand and caught the ball with his right over his head. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, we Obviously, get the ball to him more down the field, and don't expect him to run the ends and, and be open anymore. How about that? That's what we have to no longer start using Johnny Knox as our possession receiver. 
start using Bennett and and Ward Williams underneath a little bit more than Johnny Knox. Speaking of Earl Bennett, by the way, about midway through the third quarter, I asked my uh, son David, I was watching the game with, is Earl Bennett playing today? Because remember the last two games, he was like thrown too early and often had great games. His first two games back from the injury yesterday, big dog, I don't know if it was Caleb, Earl Bennett, the play selection, the defense was double teaming him, but uh, it was the Houdini disappearing act for Mr. Earl Bennett. I only remember one ball thrown in his direction all game. Did I mean? Did I, did I miss something? How does, that, more than that? how does that happen? I, I had that's a good question, coach. That, and that's what I'm seeing is we're seeing Johnny Knox fall down all over the field. And we have Earl Bennett, who's been really, really good as a possession receiver. Did the Raiders just take him totally away? I have to admit, because you really can't see downfield, you know, when they're when the pass routes are going. Mm-hmm. So. We'll have to do a breakdown tape later this afternoon, Big Doug. Have your people call mob people. But uh, either way, 25-20 to 20 final score. Bears knocked off by Oakland down to 7-4. and four, Still fully in the hunt, in the wild card hunt. we got a lot of other NFL games to talk about. Big Doug, our round them up and wrap them up coming up in a little bit. we got college football to recap. we got NBA news, all kinds of stuff off the board. Some coach firings, a lot to get to today. I'm sure our show... Um, Recapping the weekend that was, we'll carry over into uh, tomorrow. We'll never get it all done in the one hour. But uh, before we uh, delve into further on the Bears game and the fact that you're still fully esteemed and not semi-esteemed, over the weekend, I'm assuming you had a, a good Thanksgiving at Mama Radwanski's. And uh, what did you put on, about three, four pounds, Big Dog? Oh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't care about how, many, how much weight I put on. But it was an awfully good Thanksgiving day. Um, I always go to like hang out with my family. But it just so happened this year that uh, Cloudy had dinner ready at one thirty, and I didn't have to leave for the train until 2. So I was able to eat a Thanksgiving meal between one thirty and 2 and then get my butt to a train and then get to my second Thanksgiving meal uh, of the day, which was awfully good. It's, it's, and, you know, it's I hate going to two Thanksgiving meals, Coach, but when it's the first one at your house yep. and you don't have to drive to it, it's freaking phenomenal. So I had this big breakfast and then a, mm-hmm. a massive lunch and even a bigger dinner. Oh, my goodness. I, I ate a lot on Thursday. Mm-hmm. A lot on Thursday. I drank way too much, too. That was probably what I did more of the. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to drinking, you know, filling up the stomach. You need to limit the drinking on Thanksgiving uh, so that you can enjoy the food. What are you, what are you talking about? I, what's wrong with a bourbon doesn't fill you up? Yeah, maybe a bourbon. And then when you start, when I started drinking at seven, by then I had already had <laughs> massive meals. I mean, at this point, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I wasn't worried about any more food that I was going to consume. Seven in the morning. Point. Why are you starting to drink bourbon and water at seven o'clock in the morning? It was just just bourbon straight. It was seven at Ooh. night. Ooh. Wow. Why are you up I at seven was, o'clock? I w- it was seven o'clock at night. Why would oh, I start drinking night. at seven a.m.? Well, because you were talking about starting to drink before Thanksgiving dinner, so I assumed oh, you no, were no, talking no. about Thanksgiving morning. You're talking about the night before. Well, though, on Wednesday, the night before, oh, my goodness. This year was not good. So. <laughs> oh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, what are they calling it now? Black Wednesday kind of correlating into the uh, shopping extravaganza that used to be Black Friday, and now it's Black Thursday, whatever the hell it is, but it is We've talked about it before, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, uh, the best party night of the year. Typically, it's for the younger college-age kids, Big Dog. You're in your late 30s, but you could still, I would bet, uh, partake with some of the youngsters out there. Well, uh, 
Thursday morning was was pretty intriguing for me because I woke up in my clothes on my couch, which has not happened to me since I've lived in this house, <laughs> which is hard for me to believe. Uh-huh. And it was like uh, it was like Grand Central Station. Was like, hey, you did pretty well last night. Oh, oh, sorry, buddy. I, you you probably drank way too much, didn't you? Depending on with the the quality that was coming in and out of uh-huh. this particular rooms. Yep. Pretty good, coach. I gotta say, some of our guys have a little bit better luck than others. <laughs> and there you were still in your clothes on the couch, huh? Yeah, which is, I guess, to be honest with you, I think I had the best luck out of everybody. <laughs> but I wasn't with them. I got, I don't, I, I, supposedly, I was home before they were. Uh huh. And we had a good time before everybody went to bed. So you don't even remember most of the uh, activities? Isn't that a little, a little bit scary? No, I wouldn't say most. I would say none. None. Yeah. Wow. See, I haven't had one of those in a long, even on my worst nights. Uh, to not remember very little from the night before. I don't know how many times that's happened to me. Very seldom. That's it's a little bit scary, isn't it? Well, just from when I got home, Coach. Oh, okay. Everything up until when I got okay. home. Well, and here, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in. You got home. You sat uh-huh. down on the couch for about five seconds. You put your feet up, and you passed out. How's that? Uh, I, I do think there was a little bit more involved, but nothing of uh, any significance mm-hmm. that we should continue to talk about. Okay. <laughs> but the United Nations uh, added a few more species to its uh, clientele on a Wednesday night, huh? Oh, it was, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, without question. It, it was, there was uh, definitely a lot of girls from, I would say, Ireland that were leaving on, <laughs> on Thursday morning. <laughs> uh, I got to start hanging around at your place. Definitely a lot more exciting than my place. Yeah. What the heck's the number here? I forgot it. 888-463-6748. Five days off. Big dog, you and me. Uh, actually, you know, the, for the prior two weeks, we were starting to agree on a lot of things. So maybe it's good that we had four or five days off, and the two of us can kind of go our separate ways. We come back, and once again, we don't see eye to eye. I think it makes for better radio. 888-463-6748. Big dog and a coach at your service. Talking sports and more here on the Two Guys and a Mike show a big weekend of college football dog all the way starting back on friday all the way up through uh, uh saturday night's game where uh, got to see notre dame knocked off by stanford i enjoyed watching brian kelly in defeat in his press conference again but uh big weekend of college football and lsu and alabama look like they are slated for a one-two matchup yeah i don't know how excited i am about all that in it i truly believe alabama's the second best team in the country so i guess they belong in the game but uh, I'm going to say this about about LSU first, if you if you don't mind, because I think this is pretty important. If LSU loses to Georgia in the Georgia Dome in the SEC championship game this Saturday night, they still belong in the national title game, unless they lose 100 to nothing. That's I'll throw that one out there. If they lose 100 to nothing, no, they don't belong in the national title game. But other than that, LSU, no matter what happens in the, mm-hmm. because this team. And no matter what, just say they just say that if they win against Georgia, okay, and they're in the then they're in the national title game, and they play Alabama, and then they lose to Alabama, which I don't think will happen. But still, the voters, the not obviously the coaches have to vote for the BCS champion, but the coaches, I mean the the media, should vote LSU national champion, and give them a piece of the national championship if they go thirteen and zero in the regular season and then lose to a team in the national title game that they've already beaten, they should still get a part of the national championship. Not the BCS, because they didn't win the BCS championship game. They don't deserve any part of that. That would go to Alabama. But they should still get something of recognition for going 13-0 and this season if they can beat Georgia. Uh, you know, now we're starting to think alike. I would tend to agree with you, assuming it's a close game. 
If they beat Georgia and lose to Alabama in the BCS championship game, and you know, it's a 17-13, you know, a touchdown or less, or you watch the game and it's fairly close and Alabama pulls out the victory, I got no problem at all calling them uh, co-champions. Uh, well, but- I, 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 I understand what you're talking about with the close game, Coach, and I, I appreciate that. And I don't like this co-champion <laughs> stuff up. I never like it, but since we don't have a playoff system, mm-hmm. this is another way for me to give the finger to the system that we have right now. And the way I look at it is LSU, if they beat Georgia even by a point, because they've dominated everybody else besides Alabama so far this year, and I mean obliterated every single opponent, including Oregon and West Virginia, and West Virginia on the road. I was going to say, the teams that they're playing, uh, you look at their schedule, it's amazing that they've been able to go unscathed, let alone, as you said, obliterate some of those teams. Yeah, not just some, everybody besides, I mean, like Oregon, I don't care what anybody says, that game was 40-7 to seven before Oregon scored a bunch of points late. So, I mean, I just said, just another way for me to give the finger to this system. If LSU wins, I don't think LSU is going to lose to Alabama. They have two more games. They play Georgia, and then they play Alabama, who's sitting at home, you know, getting fat right now watching LSU play in the SEC championship game. You know, I don't know how fair that is. <laughs> it's so jacked up the way the system is plays out every single year, I gets another black eye and exposes how, exposes how stupid the system is. And next year it'll be another way we didn't even couldn't even figure out. And it'll it'll be like next year it'll end up being a, the SEC East will have two teams in the championship and, game. And you know it's you know it's what the, don't 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 get all upset and lose <clears throat> some of the beauty of the game is because it's an imperfect science that we get you know. Who should play at a BCS National Championship game? I agree with you there. What upsets me is people get so disturbed by that that they forget that you might get to watch, uh, you know, Wisconsin take on Oregon or Nebraska take on South Carolina. It might not be for the National Championship, but they're great games. So don't oh. let that dis- – or Houston against Michigan. Games like that, Big Dog, make college football bowl games so phenomenal – the one-two is imperfect, but the, boy, the bowl games, the matchups, I think, are just you know scintillating on a regular basis. Uh, no disrespect to Michigan State, and as much disrespect as I possibly can pile on to UCLA. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm really hoping that Oregon and Wisconsin play in the Woo. in the bowl this year because of, right now they're going to have to go to Cal Poly Texas. You know that school that always. Uh, Messes with the Rose Bowl every single year. Yep. You know they play a practice. Hey guys, we know you're a lot smarter than us. Can you make sure the scoreboard doesn't go out when Oregon and Wisconsin start playing? Because I don't think uh, they have enough electricity to actually keep up with the pace of that game. Because <laughs> let's face it, Oregon and Wisconsin have average defenses. Both of those teams. Yep. And they both have the the exact opposite offense that will destroy that defense. Like Oregon is not good at stopping the power running game. And Wisconsin's not very good if you spread them out and get you in space. Mm-hmm. That, if, that is, if that isn't fifty to fifty-one, coach, in that game, I will be shocked, absolutely shocked. So yeah, and that's that's not your typical fine. Wisconsin team, which used to thrive on you know the run, and they still got a great running back and Monty Ball and great defense. But this year's team is a lot more electric. That would be a phenomenal matchup. It reminds me, real quick, I got to bring up a high school state championship game here in the state of Illinois, Big Doug, and I know we have listeners across the country and, uh, quite frankly, on the uh, Internet Sports Talk Radio, Big Doug. Your thoughts, your opinions, and your uh, night after Wednesday night on Thanksgiving morning which might have involved some illicit activities, are being heard in seven different continents and also parts of Idaho and Montana. 
5A state championship game. Did you hear about this one? Uh, yes, no, on, on yesterday, on Saturday? Saturday. 70 oh, was... to 55 in a state championship game. Montini beat Joliet Catholic. 70 to 55. Not basketball, folks. Football state championship game. Ty Isaac, who was a junior at Joliet Catholic. Big He might be the number one player in the country next year, and he is not signed for a count. Only a junior. Six touchdowns. 554 yards, and his team lost by two, by 15 points. Coach, I was watching the game, and I could not believe what I was watching. And this <laughs> Isaac kid, it was unbelievable. You know, Joey Catholic, by the way, they have a way to just run you over. But they usually have like five guys on the team, and they all get yep. 40 yards apiece. That's yep. how Joey Catholic beats you. They just give it to one guy now, and everybody just gets out of the way. Uh, it's I do not know how they, they were ever stopped. And I guess it was because Montini, as soon as Montini would get the ball kicked back to them after an Isaac touchdown, yep. they would return it to be kickoff return for a touchdown. <laughs> well, wow. Also, the fact that Isaac did fumble, I think, two or three times. Yeah, one return for a touchdown. Yeah. And Montini's quarterback threw for 500 yards. Let's not forget that, Coach. 500? Yeah, he threw. Well, he was at 490. Yeah, you're right. 500. Seven touchdowns and 500 yards. Okay, because he, he was at 493 the last time I saw him. It was still six minutes to go in the game, and they weren't kneeling on the ball, coaches. Wow. That's what for me to tell you. Wow, and they got a wide receiver, uh, White Kid, going to Nebraska. will go down as one of the great receivers in the history of Illinois high school football. Oh, is it the same Westercamp? Yeah, Jordan Westercamp. You know, because um, you got to understand, my, my brother's a pretty good football player. He played at Bennett. And him and Westercamp, Bob Westercamp, his dad, who's now approaching the team, Used to get into it. My mm-hmm. brother, my brother hates the Western Camp family because it's a football rivalry. The Western Camps and the Red Wanskis. So, mm-hmm. and they're a little better than us. This kid has I been mean. a marked man since the start of the season, mm-hmm. and he continues to catch you know five, ten, twelve passes a game. Truly, one of the great receiving careers uh, in IHSA history. And I think in that state championship game, he caught. I want to say maybe 10 passes, 350 total yards receiving. And this is a guy that, you know, that you watch on film, your scouting reports designed, don't let Westerkamp catch the ball, and he's still able to catch it 10 times for 350 yards. You know, his dad was like that too, Coach. You realize his dad was like the greatest like running back slash receiver in mm-hmm. the in the West Suburban Catholic Conference history, probably the greatest player they've ever had either. Amazing. 70 to 55. Absolutely incredible. Now, real quick, getting back to college football, you mentioned in passing a University of Southern California team. I think you talked about how they beat UCLA, and I said it three, four weeks ago, and I'll say it again with a couple of exclamation marks. I believe the second best team in the country right now is the University of Southern California Trojans. They beat UCLA 50 to nothing. 50 to nothing. Big dog, they're getting better and better and better. They won't be in a bowl game. I would argue they are the number two team in the country next to LSFU. Now, they have two losses, right? Yep. Who did they lose to? Just, I just. Well, we know they lost to Stanford on the overtime game when they fumbled, and then early in the season, I can't remember who they lost to. Yeah, I knew the Stanford game. I was trying to think of the early. Yeah. Was it, it was Arizona State. Might have been. It was Arizona State right after Illinois just beat Arizona State. So I'm yeah. thinking, wow, Illinois is good. I was wrong about that, by the way. Yeah. Mine's like is, got fired this weekend. So Arizona, yeah, Arizona State lost, what, their last four games? Yeah, at least that many. And uh, so, yeah, USC, uh, 
Well, they've been playing like that the last couple weeks. Let's, let's, they went into Austin Stadium and beat Oregon, period. That's, that's good enough for me to say that they're playing as one of the best teams in the country right now, Coach. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Marquise Lee. We all knew Ooh. about Robert Woods, and Robert Woods is a sophomore, and his next year will be up for the Blitnikoff Award if his other receiving partner, Marquise Lee, the freshman, doesn't take it from Coach. He, you're right. He is he's as good as Woods is right now. Mm-hmm. And I've never been a USC fan. I've always, you know, kind of rooted against it. But this year's team uh, caught my imagination. Matt Barkley, quite frankly, should be one of the top uh, five, if not top three Heisman candidates as well. Yeah, he's he's really had a, a phenomenal second half of yeah. this season. But, no, he will not be getting any Heisman consideration just because. Well, I think he'll get some consideration. I don't know if he'll be one of the four or five invited to New York, but uh, he's top ten. He'll get consideration. Uh, by the way, Trevor Maddich, who is, uh, you know, he played at BYU, won a national championship, was a first-round pick for the Patriots, played 12 years in the NFL. I love the guy. He's on Johnny SPN. Last week, he flat-out said uh, Reggie Bush needs to go to the USC football locker room and apologize for his own personal greed and selfishness, costing these players who had nothing to do with yep. his greed and selfishness a chance at playing in the in the Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how much fun all these guys from Oregon and uh, Wisconsin and Michigan State are having playing in their these conferences' brand-new inaugural championship game. I can't even imagine the intensity that these guys are going to that... have. And to get that taken away because a couple years earlier some guy was decided to screw over an agent. The, the suspension the USC is on right now is strictly Reggie Bush, an alumni uh... – Related, strictly that case? Bush. Huh? It's Reggie Bush, Coach. Okay, 99% wow. of it is Reggie Bush. All the other stuff that happened that was exposed is because of Reggie Bush. That's a shame. And, it's completely a shame. And I agree with that ESPN commentator. Reggie Bush should do something like that. And I think the NCAA has to find a way to change that penalization structure. You cannot penalize current coaches and current players. I know it's hard and it's difficult, but the bottom line is you got to find a way. I couldn't agree with your sentiment uh, more. They, they took they took Bush's Heisman Trophy away already. I think that should be enough. Maybe sanctions of some kind on the school because you got to know you got to keep – well, how are you going to keep one kid? How are you going to know one kid took $200,000 from somebody? And how do you know that this kid was then going to not actually sign as an agent with them, and all of a sudden these guys are going to have a vendetta against U, uh, USC and Reggie Bush? Well, That's basically what happened. Coach. I, I, got an easy, USC- I got an easy answer for you here. You know, if the NCAA is listening, and I know sometimes some of their committee members will tune into our show just for a couple of chucks and uh, to listen to uh, some of our experts, like a pigskin boy who is waiting to comment on the Chicago Bears. But here's the simple explanation. You know, if Reggie Bush is the one who committed the crime, let him do the time. Develop a, yeah. develop a coordination with the NFL. Reggie Bush should be sitting out this year. Reggie Bush should be sitting out the playoffs of three games. Whoever the alumni guy was or the one or two or three people that paid him, those three people should either be fined a ton of money in jail or whatever. Let those guys serve the penalty. Let the players serve the penalty, not the current guys. And if elected as commissioner of the uh, National Football League and or the Pac-10, I promise to install those uh, particular regulations. Thank you. You, you know what, Coach? In, in a lot of instances, you know, I would – you know, you got to honestly, you got to look at stuff and say, you know what? There's there's individual liberties, and you can't blah blah blah. But the the flat out truth of the matter is this: is college football NCAA is basically the farm system for the NFL. 
And if you don't believe me, the last weekend in April, watch ESPN for 24 hours a day. And you'll, if you don't believe me, then maybe you'll get a little bit. 99% of the players that are drafted in the NFL draft come directly out of the NCAA. Would you think 99% is a, a pretty close estimate, Coach? Yeah, it is. But, all right, finish your thought because well, well, I don't the, totally it, agree. There should be, they should do some correlation together. They should yes. come out together and be like, okay, well, guess what? If a guy is in NCAA playing football, Yep. And an agent pays him. You need to be. A, you should be licensed through the NFL and through the NCAA in order to be a football uh, agent. So if you decide to pay somebody early in order to entice them, guess what? You are done. You can no longer be an agent in the NFL. You are done forever. You got. I mean, like you get the death penalty for this. So Any, basically, anything where the perpetrators are penalized and not the innocent people coming in after them, I'm all for. That's what I'm saying. My point is, normally you couldn't set up some type of union. You couldn't do it legally. But I think legally you uh, you can prove in a court of law that the NCAA college football is the farm system for the NFL. If you can't you can't figure that one out, I don't know who could. And if you decide to pay these guys early, you can no longer represent anyone. The only reason That's I right. hesitated a little bit, and I agree with you, is you know the NCAA a farm system I, I, uh, for the NFL. I don't want people to get the impression. That, you know, college football is all about big time college football and the big time players moving to the NFL. You know, uh, college football is also about Bowling Green taking on Northern Illinois University, where well, maybe one percent of those players will be in the NFL. So there's a lot of great college football out there, Division One college football that, it, you know, they're not feeders to the pros, but it, but it stands for its own entertainment and it's a great Sport as it is, if that makes any sense. So if you're exactly right, so one uh, percent of those players out there, so will be end up in the NFL. So that sounds about right, because about once out of every four years, will Northern Illinois have an NFL player? That's about right. They got so two this team, year. Each, so each team will have like one player on a, in a MAC game. Northern Illinois and Bowling Green usually more so than other teams in the MAC. But still, somebody can go to that one player. Hey, you're going to be a third round draft pick. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That, that, There's 50 grand, uh, and I will take care of you. So you just pay her in the, in the MAC conference. You keep on working out. You keep on whatever you need. I'll take mm-hmm. care of you. That could happen in the MAC just as easily as uh, somebody, you know, while they're while they're at Bowling Green, making sure that they're taking care of the guy on a Tuesday after he just scored four touchdowns against Toledo. He drives about 45 minutes into Columbus yeah. and is like, okay, I got to take care of four dudes here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and by the way, I got on the way. On the way to Michigan State, I got to go through Toledo because there's a wide receiver yeah. there that gets no, returned. I, I, I fully understand that. I just want wanted to make sure the thought that the NCAA doesn't need NFL football to exist. NCAA Division One college football can stand on its own entertainment value. And well, I don't, I don't so think that's what you were implying. I just wanted to make sure that point. Not at all. Was not, okay. and not at all. That's why I kind of like, I went at it kind of tentatively, but yep. I was like, hey, we have to admit that the players come from college yes. football. Yep. And if you want to stop this, you have to do it together. And you kind of have to make the, you have to make the, the acknowledgement, yes, mm-hmm. we, what we do is we draft players out of the end that just played. For, and, it, and if you can't acknowledge that, which is just the truth and the reality of it, then you really can't have the system put in place. It's outstanding. Big Dog and the Coach with you here on the TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Your thoughts uh, on the weekend that was Thanksgiving um, happenings, anything from food to Turkey Bowl. Want to hear about uh, any humorous events, any dramatic events that might have happened? 888-463-6748. 888-463-6748. A man who 
tried to enter five different Division One schools, was turned down them by them all, but I think he had an outstanding junior college career. He's on the phone with us right now. He's our NFL outsider, Pigskin Boy, checking in on the Bears game. Pigskin, how are you? How are you guys, Coach? Hey, Coach, um, I think the best quarterback in college football with the best NFL future is Matt Barkley. I think he's the best player in America. Well, I would not argue with you. I'd put Andrew Luck up there, too. And, Big Dog, I know you like the kid from Arkansas, who, by the way, was like not so Kyle, good. At... I, like, I like Kyler Wilson, and he's going to be like a third-round draft pick, and somebody's going to get a freaking steal. Uh, Robert Griffin the third, another good quarterback. This is a good year yeah. to get a quarterback. This is the best year for quarterbacks, and I don't remember how but, long. But, Pigskin, your point, Mac Barkley, awfully good, and it doesn't get a whole lot of pub because USC's kind of off everybody's radar, but he's really good. Yeah, but just because they're on probation doesn't mean they don't have great players. I mean, you can talk about them, you know. I'd rather talk about them. Um, you know, hey, Joel, real quick, uh, worst bowl scenario, Illinois or Penn State? You know, that is so funny that you said that, Pigskin, okay, because I'm sitting here thinking, what what would a bowl rather have? Would, they, would, would a bowl rather bring in the scandal, the sex scandal, child sex scandal, excuse me, that's Penn State, or a team that's lost six in a row that is Illinois. It's an easy Penn. answer for me. Who would you pick? Penn State. We just we just okay. had a whole argument about don't penalize the players yeah. for past and negativism. You know, the coaches and particularly the players there right now should not be penalized. They deserve to go to a bowl game. You can't send the team that's lost six games in a row to a bowl. Illinois should decline any offers. Well, uh, what do you yeah, think? I, well, I think I don't think Penn State should go to any bowl at all. I think they should exclude themselves from a bowl. Every game that Penn State has played, you know that the five major sponsors have pulled out, and and most of the major sponsors, you, you want to be associated with that. If you're if you're a sponsor, you want to be associated with Penn State football in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, that's our team. We're for child rape. They're, 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 they should pull out of it right away. Do the right thing. I didn't know all the I didn't know all the sponsors were pulling us. I knew the first day they did. Everybody's pulled out of the television. Well, those are those are sponsors that have no spine and no backbone. I like the name of those five sponsors because I wouldn't purchase any of their product anymore. Again, you got coaches and players there, Pigskin, who've been working uh, you know for years and years to get a bowl opportunity. Some of these guys stepping in as juniors or seniors that were backups. You can't blame the players there now. They deserve to be in a bowl game and they deserve to have sponsors. Sponsors that are that worried about being politically correct, soft, no backbone. I wouldn't participate with them. Well, then if you want the players to play, they should be wearing Penn State uniforms because that represents evil. And the coaches on the staff should have all been released. Coach, this is this is major. If you want to wear yeah. a Penn State uniform, you better know what it represents. Excuse me. Right now, Coach, it, it ain't about the kids. It's about the product and the uniform they're wearing. Excuse me. I will speak on behalf of all the uh, tremendous uh, players that have played in Penn State University uh, in the past. The, the sex scandal and the three or four coaches – that did not handle it correctly does not diminish the last 30, 40, 50 years of outstanding Pennsylvania State University football that would have some of the most quality players and quality performance on the field. You can't take that away just because of one scandal. It's bad. It's terrible, but that doesn't denigrate all the good that's been done. Sorry. That's exactly what has happened. But it shouldn't. It's people like Pigskin Boy that have that opinion. Something something this bad is much more important than legacy, and as I, I hate to tell you that, as far as I'm concerned, like anything that has anything to do with Penn State 
right now. I'm just, it's just all I can think about is like turning a blind eye to that, and it's mm-hmm. like I have no respect anymore for Joe Paterno. Zero. Well, that's just, fine. Just, if you want to take it out on Joe Paterno, I can live with that. My problem is you taking you can't denigrate all the good and the great players and the great fans. No, no, that, I'm definitely not. But it, it's well, yeah, you are. So it's going to take me so long to separate okay. that. Okay, well, that's your so that's I your weakness. Under, I understand that. That's your problem. Linebacker the... you and like Shane Conlon and Jack Ham, they, they don't have anything to do with it. No, yeah. no, no, they don't. But but this this idea of you root for like a tradition, like there's a reason why when Michigan takes on Ohio State on the last. Saturday in November every year, we can go back and we, they show you highlights with Woody Hayes and Ben Bochenbuckle we're going back. Well, with Penn State, when they do that now, when you're watching, they're, they're going to, oh, everything is painted. Everything is painted now, Coach. It is. You're one of the few that that is able to separate yes. the back. Yes, well, I have that ability. <laughs> more more people need to, uh, need to separate because everything is not tainted. Well, the, the, the problem is, though, I think what has disgusted so many people is the fact that Penn State were more concerned with legacy than they were with the fact that oh. uh, children may have been being raped. Yeah, absolutely, and so it's disgusting. And those people, those why... people that protected it, uh, there's no excuse at all. And I would, I would throw my wrath onto them. But that's but, you know but... five or six or seven or eight or ten or twelve people. That's not the thousands and thousands that have been part of the great Penn State University the last 50 years. But, but for 80% of us out here, and I'm not going to, I don't know if it's gonna, if, you're, if you're with me on this one, but because they were so, they were more concerned with their legacy than the kids, that has destroyed their legacy. And I can't, I can't okay. even, Well, that's that, that's why, you have no idea. That's I'm fine. Frank yeah, but... Beamer, I'm, I'm like, I want to send Frank Beamer a live long type lifestyle uh, lesson to make sure he can at least win another 160 <laughs> games so we can pass Joe Paterno. And I'm not kidding, Coach. I can I'm live. About to go buy my, I'm about to go buy Virginia Tech stuff, become a booster to make sure they start winning <laughs> some football games so I don't have to look at the top, the most one of the most important staff in college football, and realize that a guy that turned a blind eye to the rape of children is the, is the guy that is the number one I, guy in the I have no stuff. issue with your anger at Joe Paterno. I just, I just think that the fact that you've denigrated the entire program bothers me a little bit. And Pigskin, I'm ashamed of you. You should know better. Collateral damage, Coach. <laughs> what? Collateral damage. The, kids, the players are collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. Innocent bystanders. What, what, what is that I supposed to mean? Collateral know. damage means because you were part of it, then you get blamed? No, 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 no. no. The they, fact because that you're wearing that uniform, you get blamed. Collateral damage. And the, maybe because the kids from the... From the event, coach, they're, they're, they're wearing those colors. That name, coach, is poison. That state is deadly poison. Football. I'm just saying what I've read. The business, financial, everything. If you ask anybody that's outside college football, that program is dead. They have not gotten one commitment from a football player since this has happened, coach. Not one. And obviously, as you know, they've lost a bunch. Penn State didn't get one commitment in late no, in the month of November. When was the last time that happened? Never. It's, Coach, I understand what you're saying, and and I, Pigskin and I both realized that Devin Wilson, the the awesome defensive tackle for Penn State, had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The collateral damage sometimes is 
you know what? You're not going to go to some crap.com bowl this mm-hmm. year because Penn State has to get its house in order. And we're really sorry that uh, you as a pampered athlete at Penn State mm-hmm. don't get uh, go to a bowl this year, but other things are more important sometimes in life. Well, but I would argue the fact that years, you're so affected by it, you know, the Devin Wilsons of the world, I, I would affect, argue that they're suffering for your, I'll call it your weakness. Your weakness, weakness. yeah, your weakness, and that you can't separate the two. And so now the Devin Wilsons and all the great players of Penn State this year have to suffer because you can't, you just find it easier to put the whole Penn State mess into one big basket. Well, maybe it's not easy. Maybe it's a little tougher, but I'm going to go the hard way and I will separate the two and try to figure out who's guilty and who's not and make sure both the uh, players that are innocent currently and the great tradition of the past does not get denigrated because of the, it's very easy. To me, it's a weak way of just saying, ah, oh, Penn State program, terrible. It's, no. you know, it, it messed that's, with the whole program. Not, that's the I easy think. way out, but I don't think that's the correct way out. That's not the easy way out. That would well, be I think the it hard is. way out. That would be the hard way out to say, listen, we need to totally purge our whole entire program and start over. That's the easy way. That would not, that would be the difficult way. The easy way right now is to continue to cover stuff up. Okay. And then like this whole stuff coming out about, uh, the, the woman that was in charge of student affairs who laid down the punishments when kids would mess up and how she, the only students on the whole entire campus that she did not have authority over were the football players. And normally when they would do something where a school like Illinois or Michigan or Ohio, Ohio State would suspend a kid for a game, they would get, I believe the last time Penn State suspended a football player for a game. You think, never, it doesn't happen. Paternals make the kids run the stairs and stuff. You, you know, I'll handle them my way. You know, and it's always been that way at Penn State, Coach. Sometimes you just need to say, you know what? Everybody thought this was this pristine, we're holier than thou, Penn State. Well, guess what? It was a win-at-all-cost type style. It, and I have no problem like with like hard-time, tough coaches, but when it's a win-at-all-cost, lack of institutional control type cost, like – Hide in child right type cost. You know what you have to do sometimes? You have to say, sorry, guys, you're here for four years. You'll go to three bowls while you're here. You're not going to go to four. We need to figure out our football program. This is going to cost them. They would be much better off by purging the whole entire system. Instead, this is going to linger with them forever. They need to get rid of it now, Coach. I'm trying to help Penn State's program. All right. Pigskin boy, you called up to talk bear football. You throw out a little, uh, what was your question? Who, If you were a bowl game, which team would you take, Illinois or Penn State, huh? Yeah, I just when I woke up, I was thinking that because I, I I realized that they fired Ron Zook, and I was thinking, boy, <laughs> I just was curious what you guys think and your producer think. I mean, I just you know, okay. question. Now, normally, what I was worried of the fact is I, I don't think Illinois losing six games in a row belongs in a bowl, but no. they're bowl eligible. Well, I was thinking, you know, I don't want them going to have three extra weeks of practice with Ron Zook, but. If they, Ron Zook isn't there, these kids could get something accomplished in those three weeks of practice before the bowl game. So, yes, I do want mm-hmm. Illinois to go to a bowl now, Coach. Yeah, well, as an Illinois fan, you want them to, but they really don't deserve to. You bring up a good point, though, the extra three weeks of practice. What about the fact, Pigskin, and, you know, and I said Ron Zook was in over his head, you know, three, four years ago. Even after his winning year, I didn't think he was a you know, nice enough guy. Decent recruiter, just not head coaching material. People that want to know what's wrong with Illinois football and why can't we be good, it's because you've had a couple of coaches, Ron Turner and Ron Zook, who are, you know, decent guys, but they're not top level division one winning type coaches. You gotta get the right guy in. 
But, um, Pigskin, do you think 10 o'clock in the morning, the day after their last game, you fire the coach? Don't you think wait three, four days, just that quick after the last game, really shows you that you were pretty disgusted. I thought it was a little rude to do it that quickly. Well, I don't think it really matters. I kind of agree with you, but I don't think it really matters. The reason you're going to do it, Coach, is what you just said. You're, you're looking at, what, three to four weeks of practice? Why would you want the head coach to have the next four weeks of practice? Uh, not no, 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 I, not a problem. Just can you wait a couple days? <laughs> not I, 10 o'clock the morning after the game. It just shows it almost says I've been waiting so long to fire this guy. I'm the new AD. You know, I, I just thought a little more respect. Give the guy a day or two and then hold the press conference. That's all. Well, you know why he was fired besides the winning record? And if you read all the papers, and Joel, and you guys know this, um, the, the bottom line why most football coaches get fired is they had 12,000 empty seats on uh, their last home game. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing the AD said. He said besides the one-loss record, the very first thing out of his mouth was, I'm looking at 12,000 empty seats. There you go. He gone. And uh, they spent a lot of money. On the, yes, uh, they did. A lot I'm, of money, I'm refurbing, I'm refurbing that stadium. I mean, they, that was, they did a whole refurb on a coach. You've seen it. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the one the one half is the old style like it used to be, and then the other half is the new style. But pretty cool what they've done to that stadium. And to have empty seats the last two games, ridiculous. That place was packed. It was packed for the first, uh, like, eight games of the season. And then after that, no. It wasn't. Was, it wasn't. was Saturday's game at home or on the road? Oh, it was at Minnesota. Okay. And uh, and I can't even explain to you the vomit that I wanted to spew watching that <laughs> football game. So, okay, uh, luckily, you know, I taped it. I taped it. And I had no idea what was going on. I'm watching Alabama, Auburn with the hitting in that game, Wisconsin just pummeling Penn State. You know, it was uh, an awfully good weekend. And then later I put the game on and I was like, really, this is what happened? I, I, I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe they had played that poorly. <laughs> 27 to 6, the final score of that particular game. But, uh, yeah, so Ron Zook has gone. A couple other firings, right? New Heisel at UCLA, probably out. Dennis Erickson at Arizona State, probably out. And Turner Gill at the University of Kansas. Wow. Two years and he's done in Kansas. I don't know what went on with the Kansas football program this year, but they uh, had high expectations. And this year they were just getting crushed at the end of the year. So two years and he's out. He'll probably get another job elsewhere. But yeah, They were 5-19, and 19, and he walked into the situation after Mark Mangino. Uh, Turner Gill deserves another shot, but, it, cause, but they, they were horrific, Coach. Kansas yeah. was really, really bad. Dennis uh, Erickson getting fired is a joke because Arizona State, Finally got turned around under Dennis Erickson. They didn't finish out a season that they thought they had a pretty good team with. But, I mean, to fire him, be careful what you wish for. Some of these guys, you're firing Dennis Erickson. Do you think you're going to get somebody better than him, honestly? They're looking at Ron Zook. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Erickson, he is a little, he's a little well-preserved at this point. Time to, I would disagree with you as a, as a, uh, Communicator with my good friend Glenview Jack, a proud alumni of Arizona State University. Time for some new blood for the Sun Devil. Okay. Yeah, Dennis hey, Erickson. He, he looks like he's uh, you know a candidate for a wax museum. So he's in his sixties. He's definitely in his mid sixties. So well preserved. 
Well preserved. All right, Pigskin, I know you're a huge Chicago Bear fan. Many of our listeners tune in on Monday to uh, check out your analysis uh, or analysis, depending on your point of view of the Bear game. They lose 25 to 20. Your thoughts, my friend, on the Bears' loss? Well, let's talk about the most most important position in all professional sports, quarterback position in the NFL. If you look at Super Bowl contenders, playoff teams, good teams that are going somewhere, they all have elite quarterbacks. Go down the list, find the quarterback, you'll see a champion. When the Bears lost Jay Cutler, they lost all hope. They wow. might win a couple of games. They're not Jay Cutler at the time, and you know I'm a fan, was playing quarterback as well as anybody in the league fans Aaron Rodgers. When you lose a player like that, you have no hope. Caleb Haney is no good. Otherwise, he'd be starting on a team. I will give him credit that he wasn't as bad as I thought, given the fact that he hasn't really taken a snap since last year's championship game. And there were certain players defensively that didn't show up. I'm not putting it all in Haney, but the big picture is when you lost Jay Cutler, you lost any chance to advance to the playoffs. Big Dog, you want to disagree with him or should I? I want to completely disagree with him. And we'll tell you this, we don't know if Caleb Haney's good or bad. There's been a lot of, but Kurt Warner must have sucked all the way up until 1999 until he got a chance. You know, we, we can't assume that he's bad just because he hasn't got a chance in the, in, in the NFL pigskin. And I do agree that the Bears' chances are considerably lower with Haney than with Cutler. But, you know, Jeff Hostetler won a, won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. And I'm not about to cash in this season. This team is way too good all the way around besides at the quarterback position just to cash in the season right now. Joel, that was, that was, that was one time ten years ago with Dilfer. Look who wins the Super Bowl. And ain't Trent, Trent Dilfer. I, I, I do understand that. But my point is you don't cancel out a season. You don't cash it out. You don't say we have no chance now. And my point is that we don't know how good Caleb Haney is. There's one game going into Oakland, a pretty good team, playing in the black hole on the road. I'm not about to say the kid is no good yet, is, is, was what I'm saying to you. And I'm not, I don't know if he's Trent Dilfer or is he, is he closer to Dilfer or is he closer to Warner or is he closer to Henry Burris? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> closer to Matt Flynn. Stop it, Big I'll take Matt Flynn. Oh, anyway, enough of him. Um, they do have a chance because this is not I, – I, I really, to be honest with you, can, I, I know nobody's listening and nobody will hear this. I didn't think they'd beat Oakland at Oakland. They're good. Oakland's not that bad, and they are really good at home. Oakland is not, not that bad. They're in a bad division, but they're the best team in a bad division, and they're always tough on the road. And it was a horrible – of any place in the NFL, Sam, ah, Green Bay, Detroit – have to start a game. Oakland is a tough place to play. Yeah, that's that's why I'm not about to write off or write his obituary yet. Caleb Haney still got a he still has a chance in my book to become a good starting quarterback in the NFL. Tim Tebow after the Detroit game, Tim Tebow was the worst starting quarterback in the history of the game. He hasn't lost since. Remember, Remember Jay Cutler's first game as a Bear. What did he? I mean, he looked as bad as, as Caleb Haney, correct? And, and really, you know, we talk about Jay Cutler playing at a high level, and he was pigskin boy, but it was only the last four or five games. Start of the season, he was not very good. In the previous two years, and you know, David Olson, our producer, will make excuses that it was the offensive line, and it's actually not an excuse; it's actually a, a fact. His O line wasn't great, but Cutler, the first two years, 
He would have one good game and two or three bad games. I would argue you give Caleb Haney two years like Cutler had and let Caleb Haney play this year, I think the Bears would have the same record. I think Caleb Haney might be a better quarterback than Jay Cutler. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Either am I, actually. I got I went a little too far. Sorry don't about that. Too, don't steal too, too much ginseng in your tea this morning. <laughs> I had to throw that last part in. My point is... Cutler was equally as bad. You got to give Caleb Haney a chance that I do think, and we've seen a little bit of it, that he's a better quarterback than you think, Pigskin Boy. I disagree. I think he is exactly what he is. Three interceptions and a loss. How about the field goal kicking yesterday? Sebastian Janikowski and Robbie Gold. It's hard to get excited about field goal kicking, but wow. Those guys were pounding 40 and 50 yarders. He's really good. He has got such a powerful leg. God, he's got a great. did he break the uh, 63-yarder by Dempsey? No, he tied it. He tied it. So, so uh, Janikowski tied it last season. Okay. Because if That's anybody could do it, it would be him. Well, I would take – I'll throw, I'll throw one other name at you, Pigskin Boy. You know, it's Janikowski's at the big build and the powerful leg. Robbie Gold, his 53-yarder, that thing had plenty of cushion. I don't know where he gets the power from. I really don't because he's a slightly built guy. But Robbie Gold is just pounding the football. Well, Robbie Gold's going to break the scoring record. I mean, he's quietly, you know, in, in Chicago. Butler was great because he was in Chicago. But I think he's on the verge of breaking basically all the kicking and scoring records that Butler's uh, set. If he hasn't already done yeah. it. He, he's been better than Kevin Butler. And Kevin Butler was awfully good. But Robbie Gold, big dog, we've been following uh, Bear oh. football for many, many years. He's, I'm ready to say this season that he's the best field goal kicker the Bears have ever had. If if the Bears don't get that timeout called against them by the Raiders before the his onside kick, the first one yep. was uh, – both of his onside kicks were just amazing, but the first one was so good and was put in the perfect spot. Uh, it's a, I wish he just could have pulled up and not kicked it so they didn't know where he was kicking because uh, his onside kicks were phenomenal, and that's a major part of the team's uh, comeback ability nowadays. How about the highlight play of the game after the uh, interception, the painful interception? Uh, the, really, the first two you could have lived with. It was the run right before half that was really the single biggest play of the game. But uh, <laughs> watching Lance Lewis on the left side of your screen, the big 320-pounder rambling down the field. That was awesome. <laughs> You're watching him slowly, but and then he has to fight off a blocker and makes the tackle, and I swear to you, they almost had to bring out the oxygen mask for him. But that, that was a great that was a great play. Very, very Leon Lent-ish. <laughs> well, Leon Lent's the one who went in the end zone or celebrated too early with the ball raised up, right? Yeah. Yeah, whoever the guy was that tackled Leon Lent, that's the guy. But I, I... Don't Don't was the guy. Hey, you know who tackled him just won a state championship. Who's that? Knocked the, ball Don Beebe. the guy that knocked the ball out of Leon Lent's hands in the Super Bowl just won a state championship. Oh, Don Beebe? Down BB. There you go. BB. There you go. Coaching Aurora Catholic at what the class one A or two A small school level. Yeah. Very nice. That's a good little piece of trivia right there. Um, the best thing for <laughs> Caleb Haney and the Bears, the best tonic, the best medicine, is you got the Chiefs at home. Uh, that, that that's a good tonic and good medicine. Uh, for Haney for another week, and I think he will get better with a week of practice. But he ain't no Jay, he's not Jay Cutler. 
And I think Cutler was playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL when he got hurt. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Well, well, yeah, maybe we should just cancel the whole season. Let's just, let's, let's just not even bother showing up the rest of the year. I, he's not as good as Jay Cutler. They've got to figure out a, a way to win with this kid. And, and the, the improvement from what we saw in Oakland and what we'll see against in Kansas City will be tenfold. Next week on, on Monday, we're going to be talking about giving the kid an extension. Okay, they're going, to, they're going to be talking Ryan Fitzpatrick money for, for uh, Caleb Haney after this game. Big right. skill, we got to get out of here. The show is over. Uh, tomorrow, Big Dog, we will do the NFL round them up, wrap them up. We're also hoping to get an interview with Bernie Fine, the uh, assistant coach at the University of Syracuse basketball program. Uh, and on a, a lighter note, Timo Loves Football will be coming on one day this week, Coach. Who? She said she'll come on. Who? Everybody, everybody, do yourself a favor if you're a red blooded man who loves football. Look up this girl, T-M-O loves L-U-V-S football on YouTube. Okay. Oh, my goodness. She's coming on the show this week, Coach. We'll check that out. Pigskin, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you later in the week, my friend. Keep, keep the faith, okay? I had a great – this was a really good conversation. You guys are great to listen to. Thanks a lot, Coach. <laughs> oh, cart that up. We don't get many of those. Big Dog, always a pleasure. Lots to get done. Tune in early tomorrow now because we got, we got some work to do. A lot we did not cover, including the NFL. Round them up, wrap them up. Be good, and you still eating leftovers? Are you all done? Uh, no, we finished all those, Coach. I still got a little cranberry and jello to finish off, but outside of that, we're all done, too. Nothing better than leftovers. All right, dog, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good, everyone. David Olson, producer, thank you very much. We'll talk Beat the Schmoes tomorrow, too. Big Dog and the Coach signing off. Two guys in a mic, TalkZone.com tomorrow at 10. Don't be late. Have a great day, everybody.